right door on your way down. There's no telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. again, my friend. We really should stop meeting like this. (laughs) Who am I kidding? It's been a millennia since my last, dare I say it, best friend. Unfortunately for her, she slipped and fell into a lava pit. No handrails, you see. It's all good, though. You're smart enough not to do that, right? What would you do if your character took on a true form and harassed you. Well, this poor fellow went through just that. Let's go and take a peek, shall we? Character Driven Written by A.W. Gifford My life is a sham. The man who said this sat directly across the U-shaped bar from me. Standing, he brushed his greasy black hair out of his eyes, grabbed his beer and walked over. I ignored him best I could. That was until he sat on the stool next to me and placed his beer on my notepad. The condensation from the bottle left a wet ring on the page. Do you mind? I gestured to the notepad. It wasn't like it mattered. The page was blank a reflection of the current state of my imagination. He leaned towards me. Did you eat me? He smelled terrible. A sickening combination of body odour, grease and stale cigarettes. He didn't dress much better. Black boots, blue jeans, a black t-shirt and a black leather jacket. A man of little style. It was obvious that he'd seen too many bad movies and pulled off the badass biker look poorly. I heard you, I said. But if you don't mind, I'm busy. I have work to do. This wasn't far from the truth. I did have work to do. But the cruel mistress of writer's block had me in her clutches. And I had a deadline looming. You're not busy. And that's the problem. He took a quick jug of his beer. Some of the yellow liquid spilled down his stubble-covered chin. I'm very busy. I pulled my notebook toward me. By the look of that notebook, Jeff, you aren't busy at all. How did you know my name? Jeff Morris, spinner of tales of suspense and the supernatural. He leaned back against the bar, propped his elbows on the granite top and took another chug of his beer. Who doesn't know you? I'm not that well known, I said. Most people don't have a clue who I am. The important thing is that I know you, just as you know me, and we have to take care of some unfinished business. I don't know you, I said, though I did have a vague sense of recognition. He stood up held out his arms and turned around. Take a good look. He sat down and leaned forward. Take a real good look. I don't... You didn't make me all that memorable. I know. Used every cliche in the book. But here I am, in all your unimaginative glory. I'm sorry, but I don't... Name's Jack. Jack Smith. Guessing that deep down you wanted to name me Jack Shit. 
but you didn't have the balls to put that on paper. Jack Smith, that name I did recognise, started a story a little more than a year ago about a biker named Jack Smith. But this guy was just messing with me. There must be hundreds, perhaps thousands of Jack Smiths in this country, if not this city. Granted, Jack began, my name's not all that original, but then you've never been all that good at coming up with names for your characters. Give it a rest, buddy. I have a lot of work to do. Don't have time for your games. He slammed his fist on the bar. I'm not the one playing games, Jeff. You sit there on your computer or your stupid little notepad creating people. And when you get a block or you just can't think where you want to take a story, you just cut them loose. I'm not God. I don't create people. I create characters. I finished off my drink. I abandon stories all the time. Every writer does. It's the nature of the business. As I stood to leave, he grabbed my shirt. You didn't abandon a story, Jeff. You abandoned my story. I pulled away. Since you don't understand when I say that I'm busy, I'll use smaller words and say them slowly so you'll understand. Fuck off. Jack grabbed my arm and I felt him press something into my side. You don't remember giving me the Glock, do you? It's one of the last items you gave me before you decided that my life was no longer worth writing about. Let me go, I said. I don't know who you are or what you want. I don't have a lot of money. I have no money, in fact. But I do know that you are not one of my characters. You're just a thief. Or some junkie broke into my apartment and read a few pages of an incomplete story. I didn't break into your apartment and I didn't read one of your goddamn stories. He turned his head to the left and pulled back his hair. The top quarter of his right ear was missing. You know how I got this, don't you? Impossible. The wound to his ear was just as I imagined it, all gnarled and chewed, but I never put it on paper. I have no idea how you got that wound. Looks like you've been in a bar fight. That's right, I was in a bar fight. Some asshole bit the top part of my ear off. You thought of that. He pulled me closer. His breath smelled like weak old garbage and I nearly vomited. You are my creator, Jeff. My God. You put me here. A biker with no bike and nowhere to go. I tried to pull away, but his grip was strong. Now, he said, we're going to go to your apartment and you're going to finish my story. You're going to give me the life I deserve. I can't. I don't know where the story was going. That's why I stopped. You will, or I'll kill you. Yelling probably wouldn't get me anywhere. I didn't see the bartender, and at three in the afternoon, the bar was empty. As if he could read my mind, he said, Don't scream, or I'll kill you right here. I tried to rationalise with him. If you kill me, then you won't exist. That's alright with me. I don't exist much anyway. He jabbed my side with the gun. Move. Jack pushed me out into the sidewalk, and I bumped into and nearly knocked over an attractive blonde woman in sleek business attire. Sorry, I said as I reached out to steady her and myself. Asshole, she replied and walked away. People scurried along the sidewalk, not unlike a colony of ants, all with places to be and problems of their own. None cared for nor noticed the rider with the armed biker by his side. Less than five minutes later, I was stumbling up three flights of stairs to my apartment. As I was fumbling with my keys, I began to wonder if I could change all this. By just thinking about it. He did have the missing ear. Jack hit me in the head with the butt of the gun. Hard enough for me to see stars, but not hard enough to knock me out. I stumbled into the door and rubbed the back of my head. 
What did you do that for? I know what you were thinking. Remember, you created me. I know what you know and what you're thinking. I opened the door and he pushed me inside. He checked the hole. Satisfied, he followed me inside. Gun pointed in my face. Now write. I can't just sit down and write. You can and you will, Jack said. Now sit. He motioned with the gun to my computer, never really taking the gun off me. Can I get a drink first? No, sit. What if I refuse? A shot winged past my left thigh, ripping the denim of my jeans and lodged itself in the base of my computer desk. I missed, he said. No expression crossed his face. It was obvious that he didn't care about alerting the neighbours with a gunshot. That's if they were home, or even cared. This charade had gone on long enough. I didn't care if he shot me. Calling his bluff, I stood there, trying to show no fear. Go ahead, shoot me. How is that going to solve your problems? You kill me, you'll be doing me a favour. You think I like living in this shithole apartment, eating ramen, and barely scraping by? I didn't hear the gun, but instead, I felt a burning pain as my left knee exploded in a shower of blood and bone. This time, he didn't miss. I screamed in agony and collapsed on the floor. Pulled me up and popped me into my desk chair. Now right. I can't, I sobbed. My knee. I have to go to the hospital. I'll bleed to death. After Jack turned on my computer, he took off his belt and wrapped it around my upper thigh. When he tightened it down, I thought my leg would pop right off. I felt ready to pass out. Right, or I swear I'll blow your fucking head off. He jammed the gun against my right temple. I don't care, I tried to say, but all that came out between the sobs were a few feeble grunts. Bring up my story. I just sat there. He hit me with the gun again, and this time I do believe that I passed out, but not for very long. He was still behind me when I came around still screaming for me to write. But how could I write with this lunatic behind me, shooting me and beating me with a gun? The blank computer screen mocked me, just as the blank page of my notepad mocked me. But this time, I had a blinking cursor, reminding me of my incompetence. Pulling myself together, I placed my hands on the keyboard. I didn't think about what came next. It sort of just happened. About damn time, Jack said, but I don't think he was ready for what I wrote. They were the first words I've written in more than three months. They were just four words, five syllables. But they were the most important words I'd ever written. Gun empty. Jack dies. When Jack realised what I wrote, he acted quickly. He raised the gun to my head and pulled the trigger. He pulled the trigger again. The gun's empty, I said. Can't you read? He smiled. It also says Jack dies. So it does. I keep a letter opener on my writing desk and I was glad Jack was standing close. A letter opener isn't much of a weapon. I moved as quickly as I could, seizing the letter opener and using my good knee, swiveled the chair around and plunged it into Jack's neck. He screamed and on reflex pulled the blade out. Clamping a hand to his neck, he tried to stem the flow of blood. At the same time, he brought the letter opener down on me. The blade glanced off the side of my head as I moved out of the way but he caught the bottom part of my ear, ripped it off and plunged into my shoulder. Jack tried to pull the blade out, but must not have had the strength. He let go, stumbled back and collapsed on the floor. Climbing back into the chair, the letter opener still sticking out of my shoulder, 
I tried to write that my little encounter with Jack Smith never happened and that my knee was fine and that I was back in the bar having a few drinks. I wouldn't say it was easy, but I knew I had to try. As I typed, nothing happened. Writing doesn't always work the way we want. I didn't have too much trouble explaining to the police what happened. I just told them the truth, leaving out the part about Jack Smith being a character from one of my stories. I spent two weeks in the hospital, had reconstructive surgery on my knee, and received 147 stitches to close the wounds on my scalp, ear, and shoulder. The doctors all said I was lucky to be alive, that a few millimeters either way, but don't they always say that? Since my encounter with Jack, I've been writing every day. In a way, I have him to thank for getting me out of my slump. I'm taking no chances. I printed out the page with the four words, framed it, and now it hangs on the wall next to my computer. I also have a copy of that page in a safe deposit box, so I'll never lose it. Jack Smith is gone, and I want to keep him gone. Forever. You've been listening to the Night's End podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Character Driven was written by A.W. Gifford. If you're interested in learning more about the works of A.W. Gifford, you can find him at awgifford.webs.com. That's A-W-G-I-F-F-O-R-D.webs.com. For submissions, suggestions, or to join our Patreon for exclusive content, head over to www.nightsendpodcast.com. Please remember to leave a review and a five-star rating as it helps us reach more people. Until next time, stay horrific, everyone. <laughs>